they're learning and they're doing a transformation from the transactional tactical, the specialist to a more professional strategic partner, someone who's extremely well-versed in financial acumen um, and really good consulting skills. So that's the transition, that's the change, that's the transformation that's happening now. Hi, I'm Danny. And I'm Nicole. Welcome to the Spend Culture Stories podcast, where we explore the connection between company spending and culture. Join us as we dive deep into understanding the people, processes, and tools that make up spend as a whole for what we call spend culture. Welcome to another episode of Spend Culture Stories podcast. I'm Tori Clark, and today I'm really excited to welcome Nikita Gates to the podcast. Nikita is the principal partner of Executive Search Recruit. She's an executive recruiter for procurement and supply chain leaders. Welcome, Nikita, and thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Tori, for inviting me. I'm excited. I'm excited, too. So to start us off, I'd love to hear a little bit about you and your story and how you started off your career and how you got into procurement recruitment. Sure, I'd be happy to share. My last position working with a corporation, I was a human resources generalist for a small staffing agency. And when you work for small companies, you end up doing everything. You wear every hat. So I was responsible for doing the internal recruiting. That was my first exposure. And then when we were shorthanded, I had to help um, fill job orders. So I learned recruiting with this company as an HR generalist. And from there, I started my first staffing agency. And I found that I really had an innate ability to career coach people and then also find the right candidate for the client. So that drove me into this career. I moved out of staffing and started an executive search firm and was in human resources. And during the boom, or not the boom, the recession, it was not a boom. In 2008, Mm -hmm. jobs were very minimal. So British Petroleum called and said that they were transforming their procurement department from transactional to strategic. And they needed some committed recruiters, executive recruiters, good recruiters who could help them. And they had like, globally, it was probably about 60 positions. So they had a few committed agencies working with them. We worked directly with the VP of procurement and very successful. And that's where I learned procurement. So I decided to stay in procurement because I really enjoyed talking to the procurement professionals. It was just really exciting for me. And that was in 2008. So I've been in procurement and supply chain since, and that is my area of expertise. That's super fascinating, actually hearing about how what they really wanted was to move away from transactional into strategic. So that leads me to the next question, which is, in your opinion, why do you think that this role is important today? And actually, if you can expand a little bit on how you think it's changed, that would be that would be great, too. Absolutely. So why the position is important, very important, because companies spend billions of dollars 
for direct needs, indirect needs, to manufacture their product, if it's manufacturing, if it's retail, to buy their inventory, all of that's spend, all of that's money. And if you're talking about millions of dollars or billions of dollars, that money can be managed strategically where you can save a lot. If you're going global, you're finding the best supplier. So this big consulting firm created this seven-step strategic sourcing process. And they use those purchasing steps to lower costs, to find savings. And it's, it's just a huge elephant. And these guys and girls, are those are their goals at the end of the year. How much savings, that's their worth of salt. How much savings did you have for the year? That's, yeah. that's what you come in. Absolutely. And it affects your bottom line. So yes. that completely makes sense. Yes. Do you think it's difficult to hire for these procurement roles? Like, how long does it usually take? Sure. I think it absolutely can be difficult because the position has evolved and internal recruiters aren't savvy on the new requirements, the strategic requirements. These people have to come in with finance degrees, MBA, engineering degrees, really smart people. So the position, if you're going through an internal recruiter and it's a difficult position and their technical skills are very specific, it's going to be a while to find that candidate. You're not going to be able to just post it and sit there and wait on the candidate to come to you, which is what the internal recruiter does. So if you're engaging an external search firm, like myself, our goal and commitment is to get that person in the seat in 90 days. So we are talking our client through the process. Give us three weeks to go out and source, to find the quality of candidates, call them, get their resumes, interview them, send them to you. Then you look through it. So let's say three weeks for that and then start the interviewing process. We'd like the interviewing process to move as quickly as possible because if you're looking at really good people, they're not going to be sitting there waiting on you to call them back for another interview. They're going to be out interviewing somewhere else. So the interview process could take three to six weeks. We don't like it to be more than that, again, for that reason. And then once everyone's interviewed and they want to go to offer, it takes about a week to prepare the offer. We give the candidate not more than three days. I mean, you have to give me a really good reason why you can't accept my offer in two to three days. And that would be a concern for me. And I'd have to share that with my clients. So we don't give them much time on accepting the offer. And then we want to have them in the seat as soon as possible thereafter. You don't want to leave a candidate sitting out there longer than two weeks after they give their two weeks notice to start. So three months, that's the commitment we tell the client. And then we explain to the client the process. And then if we need to make some adjustments, that's fine. But definitely that amount of time. That's really interesting because it's super structured, especially when you're thinking about the fact that candidates are looking at multiple options. I'd love to get more into what those technical skills are. But first, I just wanted to ask, what are the salary expectations normally? I know they would change dependent on experience and the type of role, but let's say, for example, a procurement manager, and then maybe a procurement manager versus someone who's in the C-suite level, a CPO, for example. Sure. If we're looking at, let's see, we're going to start with the procurement manager. Managers as a whole would be in the 100,000, five up to 135 a year plus bonus, depending on what the company pays, 10, 15% bonus. Then we go to the director. Directors are going to be at the 150, 150, 150,000 
up to 210,000 plus or minus, depending on the company. Okay. And then the CPOs are upwards of 190,000 plus and up to 350 base with 40%, 50% bonus. The directors are at about a 20 to 25% bonus on average. Wow, that's really great. I know a lot of people, if they're looking to get into this specific career tract and knowing those different levels is hugely beneficial, especially for the audience that we have listening. A lot of them are millennials or people that are entering the workforce. So that information alone is super helpful and can really steer what direction some people would want to go in. Are there regions in the U.S. or industries that would have higher demands for these types of procurement hires in your experience? In my experience, I've seen higher demand for supply chain management companies like an IBM. Anyone that's managing other corporations' spin, they have a higher demand for procurement. Those are some good examples and kind of paints a little bit of a picture there. Are there some best practices for resumes for procurement and procurement professionals or what stands out the most for you? Sure. So if I'm looking at entry level up to a CPO, education is going to be important. They are big on education now, finance, MBA, engineering degrees. For senior, it's progressive career. You've progressed in your career and you have good tenure. That's really important. Procurement certifications, absolutely. So you've got your CSCP, which is Certified Supply Chain Professional, or you've got your CPP, Certified Procurement Professional. And in your regional areas, there are associations like Institute for Supply Chain Management, which offers these certifications and good networking for entry-level people. So you think that someone's network is highly beneficial when they're kind of first starting out for entry level. Absolutely. Now, if they're just out of university, I always encourage them to go to the career placement office because corporations spend millions of dollars and have budget for that annually to recruit top students at the university. So that's the first place I send them. And then I want to hear why is it not working? Because it should work. I've been to those universities. I've had to recruit for clients at those universities. I know that they're there. Those are my entry level ones. And then those that that have had two to three years of experience definitely want to stay connected to the industry association. And from there, you definitely want to have career goals. You need to map out where you want to go so that you can follow that and start planning and preparing for that. So that'll get the doors open for you. And then also having passion for what you do why you're doing it is key. Absolutely. I'm also very curious about uh, your work at these career placement offices. That's really interesting that they have large budgets to go there. So I'll give you an example. I had a client. Sure. They were recruiting on different campuses. And so we reached out to the associations and posted the positions there for them to let the students know or the members know that we have these positions open Um, And then talking to the professors at the university and the like supply chain professors, procurement professors, definitely developing that ongoing relationship. Also, clients, companies will have a lot of activity for local universities or regional universities so that their name is always in front for the top talent. 
Yeah, that's great advice. I was looking for your experience with if something that is more on the technical side of the skills that they're looking for versus are they just easy to talk to in person is having that passion and leadership and being able to communicate are those types of skills just as important as having the education and the technical skills when you're and then is that more important just for leadership roles or is it also important for when you're first starting out? I would say both because when you start out in procurement, you don't want to stay a specialist on entry level or a buyer. You want to progress in your career. So you need all of those skills. You need the leadership skills. You need the passion. You need the education and the drive. And it's a lot of work. Perfect. What are the fundamental differences between those specialist type roles and the leadership ones? So the specialist is like a liaison. They are not required to have degrees. They are not in 100,000 on base. They're probably about 50,000. They create purchase orders. They receive purchase orders. They process returns in the system and anything in between. They make local, they do make local buying decisions. So they have a little budget. They can make local buying decisions in the event of an emergency, like you ran out of paper, need some toner. They prepare, maintain, and review purchasing files, reports, and pricing lists. They are individual contributors. That's a specialist. And from there, a manager level, director, CPO, they direct and oversee millions or billions of dollars of procurement spend. That's their responsibility. They lead and manage all aspects of the strategy, best practices, and execution for the spend across the company, could be domestically or globally. They can manage a team globally and or domestically. They are part of the leadership team and integral, and they are integral in leading and driving a number of process improvement and re-engineering efforts across the company. And they really need really good influencing skills because they have to engage, influence stakeholders externally and internally. So it would be a specialist and then a buyer and then junior buyer, then manager, then director, then CPO, vice president, CPO. Sorry, Tori, so a degreed supply chain person would come in being a buyer. Okay. Procurement in general, is normally seen as quite a traditional function, but as you were mentioning before, that it has evolved quite a bit. So it's going through a bit of a digital reform transformation as well right now. Do you think that there are some key technical skills or tools that a procurement leader should familiarize themselves with now in today's landscape? Not familiarize, but no. So we're talking about the strategic sourcing purchasing practices that sometimes companies want industry expertise. If you're coming out of chemicals, if there's a chemical director of procurement role, they want them to have chemical industry buying expertise. Knowledge of a programming language is really important. Some require finance or engineering degree. They look for someone who's a problem solver, have a consultant ability, tools, certifications in procurement, as mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. Lean Six Sigma tools are very valuable. Extensive experience with product lifecycle management. Strong Microsoft Office skills. So when you're talking about the 
industry expertise, do you find that they usually, if they get in in a certain industry, they stick with that industry because then they could build up their knowledge? Absolutely. But, and we prefer that uh, rather than having someone jump from industry to industry to industry, because a lot of times the clients want someone with an industry that is similar to what they're doing. So for instance, chemical manufacturing, they're not going to hire retail because it's just two totally different spins. Oftentimes they really require similar industry expertise. It's a good thing to stay industry or something similar because it makes it easy for the door to open for you. It's an easier sell for you to the client or the employer that you're interviewing with to be able to discuss the knowledge, the technical knowledge of the company. Yeah, I could see how that would be super helpful, especially when you're progressing your career and opening those doors, as you said. Yes. So what is the biggest misconception that you think that people have about being a procurement professional? What's everyone getting wrong? Well, they're learning and they're doing a transformation from the transactional tactical, the specialist to a more professional strategic partner, someone who's extremely well-versed in financial acumen um, and really good consulting skills. So that's the transition. That's the change. That's the transformation that's happening now. That's super interesting. I would definitely have said that that's one of the things before I started working closer with procurement professionals as well that I didn't know. So that makes a lot of sense. I kind of want to take a little bit of a different angle now with a final question for you. Could you tell us an interview horror story that you may have seen or heard about or your experience with an interview horror story? Well, Tori, thankfully, I've not had one of those. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Um, Only because we interview prep our candidates very thoroughly every step of the interview process. Um, We are spending 45 minutes on the phone with them. We've taken notes from the client, who they're interviewing for, what with, what are they looking for, what kind of skills they're looking for, technical, soft skills, what kind of questions they may ask. We want our are professionals. These are professionals. We want them to go in and be prepared. Now, if there is a horror story, that means they didn't prepare. But at this level, even my undergrad students, they don't, they prepare. So that eliminates the horror story. Down to how do you dress, bring in your portfolio. Even though I know my, my CPOs and VPs know this, we just don't chance it. We do a thorough interview prep. If I get to that level, I'm saying, I'm so sorry. I have to tell you this. I know you know this, but I've heard the horror stories. So I want you to go in there and put your best foot forward because you're making us look good and you're making yourself look good. So we eliminate that hopefully. That's really good. (laughs) And that makes everyone feel so much better. I'm sure too, when you've got that track record. So I think that's a really good place to end this. I wish we could talk a little longer. And so that's the end of this spend culture stories. It's been great having you Nikita. I really enjoyed your perspective. I know our audience will find value in your advice as well, especially how detailed you got into some of the questions. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Tori. Thanks for tuning in on another episode of Spend Culture Stories. If you like the series, please support us by leaving us a positive review on iTunes or Stitcher. 
and be sure to subscribe so you can get notified of the newest episodes. We try to post every episode every Wednesday. This podcast is sponsored by Procurify, a software solution that is reinventing the way organizations spend. Procurify allows an accessible and convenient way to request for purchases, get approval from your manager, while allowing your finance team to get the visibility and control you need on every purchase. Learn more about Procurify at www.procurify.com.